Okay, welcome to episode 86 of the Never Iron Anything Comics Review podcast. This week, the return of the uh, the Mega City's finest judge. Um, he's a man who shares my p- passion for postcards. Yes, it's the return of Eamon Clark. How you been, dude? I'm very well, Tony. Good morning, Mr. Esmond. Man, <laughs> you come straight out of a comic book. Ah, brilliant. Excellent. Good. I have got one question. How do you think we're going to do in the Eurovision, Eamon? Have you got any plans or to watch it or make any uh... bets? Is Will Ferrell singing for us this year? Yeah, no more Yaya Ding Dong. So, uh... oh. <laughs> <laughs> let's play Yaya Ding Dong. Uh, I've got a feeling we're not going to do well. I'm going to say that. song from the Eurovision film win the Oscar? Oh, I don't know, actually. I hope I so. I don't know. No, I there was a song, one of them. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, I don't know how we're going to do in Eurovision this year, but, you know, yeah, I'll be looking at the uh, the Facebook parties. Yeah, me too. Yeah, 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 yeah. I got very excited. My, my my wife said it's today, but we discovered it's not. Isn't it's in a couple of weeks or something? I don't know. All oh, right, yeah, okay. Yeah, no, it's not. Uh, I never watch it, but yeah. Oh, Al Henderson's just texted me. There you go. Um, good o. Right. Um, we have um, another. Um, what started off as something that was a small little project that we were going to read, and it's sort of grown exponentially, hasn't it? Um, yes. Into something where we've just basically been challenging each other to read stuff for weeks now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Did you want to say what we're going to mostly concentrate on? So we're going to start with the comics of Brubaker and Phillips. And specifically, I asked Tony to read Deadly Hands of Criminal, the 10th anniversary special from Image Comics, April 2016, written by Ed Brubaker, um, art by Sean Phillips, colours yeah. by Elizabeth Brightweiser. You can get it on Comixology for three ninety nine, But it's um, there's, there's a pleasure in the paper version of this one, which we'll talk yeah. about. And as you say, our research <laughs> and the links we've been swapping has gone slightly, um, well, I won't say off topic. We've gone off in some inter- interesting tangents. We have, we? yeah. yeah. So we're going to combine this with a little talk about Deadly Hands of Criminal. Tell me if I'm right here. We're going to have, have a talk about the wider catalogue of the two men um, and the two different colourists that they use. I'm sure we'll get to that as well. Um, we're going to have a talk about... Um, Deadly Hands of Kung Fu, which is kind of the inspiration, for the cover at least. Um, yeah. And then we're going to also talk about some terrible Kung Fu movies that I've asked you to watch this week. Which, uh, <laughs> <laughs> just as a little aside. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, have you actually seen any with Bolo Young with a little moustache yet? Or have you, you have you found that one yet? Uh, I haven't seen him with his little Nazi moustache. I saw him, he was wearing a moustache as the... Um, uh, and the Malaysian street fighter in King Boxer. But yeah, Bolo Young we're going to talk about. <laughs> yeah, I love it when he's got a little Hitler moustache. I don't know why right. he did that, but they, a couple of the characters in those that period of movies used to occasionally just turn up with a little Hitler moustache. I suppose it's a shortcut to that they were the villains, but you know, right. seems a little bit over the top. But yeah, so definitely. So we're going to talk about an issue about Deadly Hands of Kung Fu. The credits on this are funny because they're, they're actually, the, the magazine itself apes 70s magazines, doesn't it? Is that right, Amy? Yes. So if you've got the paper version, it's very deliberately a pastiche of 1970s um, black and white, large format comic magazines, specifically Deadly Hands of Kung Fu. So as you say, it lists an editor of Ray Archer. I'm pretty sure that's a fictional editor they've made up. Yeah. Yeah, we should ask about that one, shouldn't we? Yeah. Yeah. When we talk about the paper stock, they've done, they've made some of the pages look sort of yellowed as if they'd come from the 70s. And there's a comic within this comic, which is uh, 
a story from this comic called Deadly Hands, which one of the characters picks up. Yeah. Um, and it's very deliberately a sort of pastiche of 1970s Marvel, I'm going to say. Um, yeah. Shang-Chi, yeah. Uh, Werewolf by Night, Spider-Man. It's 1970s Spider-Man. It's very much that sort of thing, isn't it? Yeah, it really is, isn't it? Yeah. The um, There's there's an element to me of, that says it's it's just a cool rapper, really, to a certain extent. Because yeah. once you open it, you're back in the world of criminal, aren't you? You know. Yes. Yeah. Yes, because we get this story. So this is a criminal set in the sort of the uh, Brubaker and Phillips criminal universe, and it's a road trip story featuring a regular recurring criminal character called Teague Lawless. Yeah, who goes on a road trip in 1979 with his 12 year old son Tracy, who turns up as a character later on as an adult uh, in the comics, and um, you find out on the road trip that you know basically there's a they're up to no good. But um, part of it is that Teague Lawless does that thing that you and I have talked about, Tony. Which you give the kid in the car a comic, yeah. don't you? Yes, yeah, very um, true. It, in this case, it's a comic that Teague Lawless has stole because he's a you know he's a uh, a criminal, <laughs> yeah, literally well, um, robbing a garage, robbing a, a exactly. petrol station, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he gives him this issue of Deadly Hands, and then we get the comic within the comic, uh, black and white pages of this um, story of, uh, is it Fang the Kung Fu Werewolf? That's it, Fang the Kung Fu Werewolf. So they're kind of almost conjoining the horror black and white comics with the martial arts comics, but it's mostly the martial art vibe, isn't it? You know? Yeah. 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 I I interviewed um, Sean Phillips at one of the London Super Comic Cons, maybe the second before it, the last one, and, um, and... to be fair, he's he's such a nice guy who's got such enthusiasm for comics. We ended up not talking about his own comics and just talked a lot about Bronze Age comics. Um, uh, right. And this was a this was okay. before this came out. Um, and he was talking about you know Kung Ma, you know Daddy Hands of Kung Fu. You know he was talking about his days, which we'll talk about in a bit, I'm sure. In girls' comics, he was talking about all sorts of things. And um, and I can see, I'm my suspicion is this came from Sean. You know, right. this was his little inspiration because I think that Brew Baker didn't read a huge amount of superhero comics growing up, and that the a lot of the crime influence comes from the Brew Baker side of things, which we'll, well, I'm sure we'll talk about about here. Um, it, also, watching interviews with Brew Baker forced me to buy the box set of the Rockford Files, which I sent you a picture of yesterday. Um, Hooray! <laughs> see, I'm we might mention watch. the Rockford Files when we get onto one of them. Yeah, there are the books. Yeah. Now this is heavily crime fiction isn't it? it 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 really falls into that um um the, the sort of hard case crime books that got reprinted and the parker books and that sort of thing is that is that a love of yours is that something you would read in maybe fiction or watching movies in other sort of mediums or uh certainly crime movies i love i mean i you've probably heard this well you have heard this from other guests i mean during lockdown i found reading novels to be a bit of a stretch but i've right. been able to read loads of comics and that, you know, I was interested in this because I put this in our notes about crime comics because crime comics used to be a yep. huge thing. And then we sort of get this idea, particularly after Wortham and Seduction of the Innocent, that crime comics go away for a while and it's all superheroes. Superheroes rule the roost. Yeah. But actually, if you look back at the history, there's always been crime comics around and about. There's been some great ones. And then since 2006, Brubaker and Phillips doing these um, gritty underworld sort of nasty crime novel, uh, crime comics. Um, and they've done, they've done some variations on the themes because I know we saw the bit where they said 
I think they both said, we don't do crime comics, we just do Brubaker and Phillips comics, we just yeah. do our own thing. Yeah, it's become its own genre, isn't it? Let's face it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know you said that, and I agree completely, yeah. yeah. But yeah, they. Do, I mean, they do these comics, and there's some, in the criminal universe, there's these recurring characters, and you, it jumps about in time, so they can go back to the 70s and tell this sort of story, they can go into the 90s and tell a different story, and... Um, They've done a variety of different runs and sort of subplots and so on, and they've released it in a variety of formats, which is nice as well. Yeah, that's the being someone who sort of dips into it. I read the initial runs. Um, I think I, I read the fade out, and then I sort of decided just to dip in and out a bit. Um, and it's slightly confusing because I think they get a lot of um, a lot of press about the graphic novels they've done. And I know they've sort of shifted to graphic novels now, haven't they? Since pulp, but yes. the, um, there's a couple of stories that come from the 2019 run of, um, criminal that I read and I thought, Oh, I've read this. I read this in the trade, you know, I read this in the hardback. Um, right. so there's a bit of that going on as well, isn't it? They sort of swap about formats. And I think rightly so they found, um, to, to, to rightly so to get the sales, but they've now found that the switch to, putting them out as trades gets much more sales compared to the single issues stuff. I think that's right from what I've heard. Um, yes. And I think they've, they have definitely repackaged some of the single issues and put them together into a hardback uh, and put it out that way. And um, they, cause they started out with Marvel icons line and then they yep. switched to image. And I know again, from listening to both of them talk that Robert um, is a great sort of, you know, supporter of their work. Yeah and basically uh they get a lot of choice over you know what format these things are put out in. and so they can get to do a faked up old magazine like this one or they can do their lovely hardbacks which come out fairly regularly yeah they do look nice um, and their collections of what you know the material up to that point as i understand it is that right or, yeah, uh, yeah, I think so. They, well, there's the deluxe sort of editions of all of Criminal, and then there's things like Bad Weekend, which I know you and I have both read, yeah. which appeared in the 2019 Criminal run, um, but it's a particular story about um, one of your passions, Tony. It's about comic book history and yeah. some, um, what should we say, disagreements between well-known creators. <laughs> yeah, there's a bit of from Alex Raymond in there, isn't there, about the car crash. There's a bit of yeah. Alex Toth about using you know, the, the treatment of assistants and stuff. There's a bit of sort of Stan Lee reference to the publisher stuff going on. Yeah. yeah. It's almost like, um, I don't know whether you read Box Office Poison after we talked about it. There's a parallel in that. It's almost like a a cartoony version of that that happens in there. It's a bit weird, actually. It's sort of it is, yeah. Itself. I read Box Office Poison years ago, actually, when Comic Geek Speak did it. I haven't read it more recently. Uh, okay. Oh, nice one. Yeah. Cool. So not really, um, historically, not really a crime fiction reader, more of a sort of movie, TV series stuff? or Yeah, certainly the movies and TV shows. Not, not so much the crime novels, not so much the hard-nosed crime novels that you mentioned uh, that they really sort of uh, I think Brubaker loves doesn't he yeah you got the Ken Brune stuff you got the um, well you got the Parker books which I, I think I, I read they were the hotness weren't they a few years ago about 20 years they ago, were the Parker books and I read I read oh, yes. them in a row and they're, they're good they're just straightforward page turners you know there's no there's no sort of complete depth to them um, yeah that's cool should we talk a little bit about Brubaker actually before we go into the story because I think there's, there's a couple of par- sort of things I wanted to mention there about him um so Brubaker, um, in a, as a kid, he lived in the military base on a military base in Cuba, 
Um, he began his comics journey as an artist as well on Gumby 3D. I know you're a big fan of Blackthorn <laughs> Comics. Um, before he moved over to Purgatory USA. I think I've got that in the deep darkness of a long box somewhere at Slave Labour. Um, and then he went to Calibre with something called um, Low Life. And there's a complete Low Life that I've got in front of me. Um, uh, no, not member of the Tory party, but it's... Uh, Something by top shelf. Um, as a kid, I would. Um, as a kid, he went to LA in the eighties and described it as fri- a frightening wasteland. Um, I probably after I bought the complete low left, but that wasn't, wasn't until after I'd read Gotham Central, which I think is where I first come across him with um, Greg Rucker. Where did you first see him, dude? Uh, I'm going to say probably it's Criminal. Right. Okay. Actually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've gone back and read some of his Marvel and Gotham Central stuff as well i recently went back and read the winter soldier run because of you know there's news stories about how much he got paid or didn't get paid <laughs> yeah, yeah um but yeah mainly it's criminal um that i've picked it up since you know back well since 2006 i think i've been picking okay. it up yeah it's 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 well we talk about it. it's that consistent run isn't it it's just you know it's just a pleasure to go back to the this, this yeah you know, the, the thing again but the um he I I think I probably I read Gotham Central. I read um, stuff like Immort- the Immortal Iron Fist, which I highly recommend. is really good. Um, oh yeah, I did read that as well. Yes, I've got that. Ah, uh, yes. cool. And Velvets as well is well worth a look, which you did with Steve Epting on art, which yeah. is beautiful, beautifully drawn, incredibly drawn, and more of a sort of spy flavour to a crime than a crime world, which which works really well. His um his uncle was a guy called John Paxton, um, who wrote Murder My Sweet and the movie Crossfire. Um, and he um, adapted The Wild One, um, the movie for Brando, um, and is the inspiration oh, right. for the Fade Out series. And I think yeah. came um, a cropper with the un-American, you know, the the um, the inquiry. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I think I came, came a, cro- a cropper there. Um, he's become very prolific. Um, he's the, so he was for a while a DC exclusive, and he did Batman and Bruce Wayne Fugitive, which uh, was quite popular. He did um, Catwoman with Diamond Cook, which is g- gorgeous. Um, did Dead at Vertigo. He did Dead Enders with Warren Police. Um, Warren's a UK guy, isn't he? I always get from, confused with Warren. I think he's a UK guy, isn't he? He is a UK guy. Yeah, he started out on um, was it Crisis? I think you're right. Yeah, I think he yeah, was. Yeah, and he's it? he's doing something with James Peaty for the Judge Dredd magazine at the moment. But oh, really? That oh, okay. um, True Faith story. That's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he did that story about a block of flats, which I bought recently, which I really liked. Yeah, be an interesting, right. he's an interesting artist, a really nice style. He did uh, Dead Boy Detectives um, with Brian Talbot, and he did um, Scene of the Crime, which I think I think it, Michael Lark drew, but was the first, I think that was the first collaboration because Sean inked it, didn't he? That's right, yes. I think they Michael Lark was doing the artwork and they needed uh, somebody to ink it in a hurry and they got Sean Phillips, and that's their first uh, collaboration. And since then... They've just become a comics brand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, yeah. That was nineteen ninety nine. So he got it. So yeah, you're right because he only drew, he only inked issues two to four. So that's interesting, isn't it? Um, right. He then, um, he then, he did some stuff. He did Sleeper at Wildstorm, which is obviously part of this. Um, as part of the promotional tour for Sleeper, he would he they hired a pub and he would do, he would do an arm wrestling competition with people. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Really? Yeah. Okay. That's pretty cool. Uh, he did yeah. some authority. Um, Secret Avengers, Immortal Iron Fist. Secret Avengers, great. Immortal Iron Fist, great. America Soldier, um, America, Captain America, Winter Soldier, excellent. Uh, X Men, Deadly Genesis, mm, not so great. And then he took over Daredevil with Michael Lark after Bendis left. Now Bendis had had that sort of popular run on Daredevil, um, 
he's uh, image he did like we said velvet and he's currently or has been recently writing westworld i'm not i'm not current with westworld but he writes for westworld TV, for tv yes yeah 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 um he um sends screen caps of the rockford tv series um to the colorist to get the colors right <laughs> <laughs> there you go yeah it's all about the rockford files isn't it just yeah i haven't seen it since i'm a kid i'm sure it'll let me down i was chatting to my yeah. son about it yesterday and he said what because i bought him a couple of dvds and he said what did you buy yourself i said i bought this he went it looks terrible dad i said okay <laughs> um <laughs> yeah he um he's described what him and sean do is what we do is fun but dark and depressing um yeah. would you agree or oh yeah i mean you know this is um this is Criminal is stories about desperate people doing desperate things, and it usually going horribly wrong. Because, like a like any heist movie or caper movie, um, it's when it goes wrong that the interest starts happening, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah never goes the way it's planned. And this story, in this Deadly Hands of Criminal special, the sort of framing story of Teague Lawless doing. He's hunting somebody. Yeah. He's looking for somebody, and it's going to end horribly and nastily. Um, there's a slightly more fun bit, which is the, his son meeting a young sort of girl his age uh, who shares his interest in books and comics. Yeah. Um, and that's quite fun. But the outer part of it, yeah, is dark and depressing, isn't it? Yeah. Um, well, I'll pose this question now. I was going to ask you it later, but let's. Um, are you draw? Because every a lot of his books end on a downer, don't they? Yeah, I enjoy the 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 road that they travel on, and the characters and the moments and the, the art's sensational and the story's paced brilliantly. But they, I know something bad's going to happen in the end with all their books. I don't know. Do you enjoy that sort of thing, Eamon? Do you think you don't mind that? Uh, that well, it's interesting because again, it's like those heist things. It's when things go wrong and go badly that we seem to get interested. Yeah. If we watch movies, TVs, or read books about successful people avoiding mishaps and making the right decisions in their life the whole time, it's pretty dull. Yes, that's very true. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, it's when things. I mean, there was that. I don't. There's a genre of movies from the late '80s and early '90s which I used to call the sort of stupid man movies, where you'd have some <laughs> some guy would be, you know, he's a straight Joe, and then he'd be distracted by Michelle Pfeiffer and disappear into the night of some craziness um, after Martin hours was, after hours after hours yeah. there you go that's the one and that was films like that people forget that that's about a bloke who gets lost in a sort of dangerous area of new york and it was long before mobile phones you know so he's like yeah. it's this long night of the soul of him yeah i know what you mean yeah yeah, yeah i haven't watched that movie and for a, years yeah and a, and of course criminal you mentioned mobile phones they because they play in time um, you know, you you get a lot of situations where you think, well, if you had a mobile phone, that wouldn't, you know, you'd yeah. be out of that. Yeah. Um, but because they can go back to the 90s or in here, 79 or whatever, or even the early 2000s when there's cell phones but no smartphones, they can get away with it. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, things go wrong and they often end up badly and downbeat and even the sort of slightly, slightly more likeable characters, things don't go well for them, do they? Yeah, and that's funny you should say that because there's not many that you like are there really which is slightly different in this one no that's the wrong one there's there's not many who are morally you know clean there's there's a lot of there's i quite like the dangerous people you know i like i like I, there's even moments where i like teague you know yeah um but they're not they're not right are they they're not righteous people i suppose 
No, I mean, there's his son, Tracy Lawless, who grows up and goes off to serve in the army and then comes back to the fictional central city that it's all set in because he comes back on a, you know, in typical crime fashion, um, in typical sort of get Carter fashion, he comes back to avenge a family murder. Um, Tracy Lawless has a sort of code um, you know, he, he's got a sort of moral centre, but of course he does terrible things within that code. Yeah. And then there's a character who's not in this book, but the, the cartoonist who um, <laughs> would tie back to our last episode, who is named Jacob Kurtz. Yes. And who looks very much like Sean Phillips. He does, doesn't <laughs> he? Yeah. yeah. And he, um, terrible things happen to him. And he tries to keep his nose clean, but he's got a past as a car, as a counterfeiter, appropriately enough for a cartoonist, I guess. Yeah. And that past keeps coming back. He keeps getting sort of dragged back in. Plus, he also gets distracted by um, a femme fatale quite frequently, it seems as well. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of that going on there. Yeah. yeah. It's very LA confidential. Some of that, the fade out. It is. Yeah, yes. Yeah. 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 Um, funny enough, the last thing I mentioned with Ed Brubaker specifically is his um, near-death surfing experience which he recounted to John Suntress on one of the episodes. Did you hear about this one? No, I missed that one. Yeah, it's um, funny enough, I only listened to it last night, just when I was walking the dog, but he um, went out, I think he must live in LA or somewhere, I think, and he's gone out surfing on a beach that didn't have any lifeguards, and he's been caught out by, uh, yes, a riptide, and he couldn't make it back to the beach, and his wife was watching him, and he said, he said, he just, he said I thought I was done. He said right. he spent half an hour, and he was just slowly getting more and more tired. Um and he said, he said, I thought it was done. And the truth is, if you swim the other way, apparently, you would swim the other way with a riptide. You go out from the shore, you you yeah. lose it, so you can get rid of it. But he didn't know that. And he says, my brain wouldn't compute the fact that, you know, swimming the wrong way was the best thing to do. So he just kept trying to swim for the beach. And uh, some dude jumped in, jumped in in his trunks um, and saved him. Um, and, uh, yeah, he says that ins- that's, that's inspired certainly some of the reckless stuff that we've seen, um, which is the, the, oh, new, okay. the new series. Um, yeah. I I really rate his writing, man. I think I think we we losing him to superhero comics is is a loss for us. I think um, yeah. to a certain extent. I really like his superhero stuff. Right. Yeah. Okay. And he, as you say, he did that Daredevil run where Daredevil starts off in prison, doesn't he? And, uh, and he sort Gotham of Central, goes obviously. on travels, doesn't he? Yeah, he sort of yeah. travels about. And the and the, Winter Soldier is a good story, you know. And yeah. you alluded to it though. For the for those that don't know it and maybe have missed the story, he's um he's recently he's not complained, but he's recently commented on the fact that he makes more from the residuals on the Captain America movie because he had I think he has a line I think. He has um, a line in Captain America and the Winter Soldier yeah. the movie, yeah. And he makes more from that than the fact that he he designed the plot in the first place. You yeah. know, he, cre- he didn't create the Winter Soldier because obviously Bucky Barnes was created long before that, but he created that element of his personality, et cetera, that storyline, you know, that whole sort of, that whole thing that went on for years, you know, in the comics and is, is used yeah. to great advantage to this day, still in the TV series. So that's TV show. Yeah. 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 Interesting stuff. Um, where did you discover Sean Phillips? Is that, was that on this as well? Was it dude or? Uh, no, I think probably Devlin War in okay. 2000 AD in the magazine because um, he did some uh, he did some 2000 AD stuff. Although interesting, listening to him, he was never a 2000 AD fan, really, was he? No, he was a Although Marvel he, UK fan, wasn't he? From the he was Marvel UK, yeah. He started there, and as you you know you hinted at, he started out in drawing girls comics to begin with. Yeah, I think when he was in school. 
Yeah, from, yeah. from Sandy. He was like 14 or something, and he was drawing for Bunty, Judy, and Nikki. I'm a big fan of all of those. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Extensive collections of all of those. And then <laughs> yeah. he does... He does the 2000 AD thing for a bit, and then, of course, he makes it off to uh, to America and Marvel, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. Yeah, it's, it's some really good stuff. I, lo- I love his line. Um, I was watching it. There's a few interviews with him you can find. He's, he's, he's not one of these guys, oh, interview, interview me, but he does, he, he does to give some great comics talk when he interviews, and I like the fact he talks about other creators as well. He also yeah. has the best comic room in the world. Yeah. Oh, we've seen pictures of this recently on Twitter and other places, haven't we? And it's like, oh yeah, that's the best room. <laughs> yes. <laughs> He's commented, if, if I wasn't drawing comics, I'd be drawing naked ladies. Right. Yeah, which we're all there. I agree with that. The uh, <laughs> we, He does a lot In of... this comic? Yes. Yes. <laughs> and he does a lot of drawing classes as well, he says. Um, right. Have, are, you, are you a fan of McGuinness, Robert McGuinness's book cover work at all, or...? Uh, I'm unfamiliar to. Oh well, I'll, I'll send you the, the screen cap of the the book. But it's um yeah he's he does a lot of those um hard case crime. He does a lot of those noir right. Com- uh, but and it, there's a lot of that going on, especially with um Sean's DVD book DVD covers and um, oh yes covers, you know which is slightly different, isn't it? You know he does these wonderful um pieces of artwork for reissues of classic DVDs. Uh, war movies and and crime movies, doesn't he? Yeah, that Great Escape one. Have you seen that? Oh Which yeah, the lovely Steve McQueen's Steve McQueen. head popping out of a hole. <laughs> Genius. Yeah, yeah, absolutely love it. You're thirty feet short of the woods. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Sean, born twenty seventh of January nineteen sixty five, began like we say in UK girls comic UK girls comics. Graduated the art college in nineteen eighty eight and worked at Crisis on New Statesman with John Smith and Third World War with Pat Mills. He was then part of the sort of the uh, kind of the second wave, I suppose, of br- the British invasion, wasn't he? Um, yeah. And worked on Hellblazer with Jamie Delano, and he did an issue of Doom Patrol, um, like you say, Armitage in the Dread magazine, uh, Danzig's Inferno, um, which I do own, but I don't remember so much of. Is that is that a story you read or? No, I don't, again, like yourself, I know of it, but I haven't. I can't remember it. <laughs> yeah, he did uh, yeah. Strange Cases with Warren Ellis, Devlin War with John Smith again, like you mentioned, Vector 13, Sinister Dexter. Uh, Marvel, he went and did The Brotherhood, some issues of that, which is a sort of um, X-Men spin-off thing. Um, he did, I think, for me, his first big hit that I saw, really, was um, Marvel Zombies. Which, that's the one that made him a household name and made him all the money, wasn't it? Yeah, and I mean, in yeah. some way or other, that storyline is still continuing now. And that was written by Kirkman off the top of my head, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, um, it was, yeah. And predates um, The Walking Dead as well. Yeah, I think I guess it does, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, Kirkman's first zombie comics. Yeah, I'll have to ask. We should ask him if he was ever approached to do The the Walking Dead because um, I could see that fitting with his style as well. I mean, him and Absolutely, Adlard yeah. are not a million miles apart, you know. Yeah. And it's interesting that Kirkman is now, of course... Because you did an, you just done an episode not long ago about Image Comics, yeah. Um, which you know, as you said on that episode, they did start with some some slightly strange, dodgy <laughs> comics, but yeah. they've gone on to be to create their own thing that they always wanted to be. And here's Brubaker and Phillips, sort of, um, yeah, just you know, uh, rampant success with it, and yeah, supported by Kirkman and the Image team. So yeah, it's yeah. amazing. It's such a such a broad amount of work now, isn't it? It's such a, and I think you you commented in some uh, a message you sent me about it being cross genre as well. Did 
Do you want to? Well, I mean, I called it crime comics, but actually, um, they've done Incognito and Sleeper, which is like superhero stuff. Yeah. They've done. Uh, you mentioned the Fade Out, Hollywood Noir, yeah. set after you know 1950s Hollywood, a very LA Confidential type stuff. Um, they did Fatal, which is a sort of Cthulhu. Would you call it? Yeah. Yeah. Cthulhu Lovecraftian horror. Yeah. Um, recently, they've done a hardback called Pulp, which, yeah, abso- again, Ed. Absolutely one of my favourites, man. I absolutely. Right. I read that a couple of days ago. I think I messaged you. I did the obvious, read it in the middle of the night, messaged you. Obviously, I don't care if I wake you up kind of message. Um, <laughs> yeah, just saying how, how utterly brilliant that book is. It's. Um, uh, of everything that's the one i think people should pick up for me um right it's it's so it's a it's a story everyone i think the problem the reason i didn't read it is because i thought it was a western and i'm a lover of westerns but i just thought i wasn't in the mood for a western but it's not that it's about a right. guy who writes western pulps who was also a bank robber in the in the great west you know and it's set in, yeah. set in the 20s or 30s and um he's sort of fallen on hard times and he decides to um he's taken on by an ex-pinkerton to rob the um the american and there this was a big thing at the time it seems we had the black shirts here the american far right um right and it kind of changes yeah. from there and it's it's a kind of this great american hero or great american villain you know bank robber gangster in his in his later years like the wilderness years and it's got that real it's, there's almost like a, a better written old man logan you know in a way yeah yeah and sean phillips asked ed brubaker to do a story with um, a western in it oh right because uh, okay. he wanted to draw a western and so then brubaker does the story and uh and it's got a brubaker twist to it of course which is that sort of crime element and uh, making it uh relevant yeah it's great standalone hardback you can get it digitally yeah um and uh and, and phillips is famously fast at this stuff as well isn't yeah. he yeah um well, brubaker doesn't have much time to re-edit himself he has to get it right the first time because by the time as soon as he gives uh sean phillips the the script it's like it's drawn isn't it yeah i feel his pain because adam's like that when i'm writing for adam and oh, right you know, he says, hey, hey getting on with the next you know 20 pages i'm like right i better write them then <laughs> something like that yeah i know you mean no it's great and he um I've, i'm not totally sure about the process but he i saw a couple of um comments where he said he, he goes straight down with the ink he got to a point um the quote I had is on Doom Patrol. I realised I could go straight in with the ink, um, and he—I don't know whether maybe his pencils are really loose, or maybe occasionally he doesn't even use them. But he—he's—he just goes straight in with a you know a dip pen or maybe you know, um, which is pretty impressive. I saw some of his Hellblazer work at the um, Orbital Gallery, and it's it's same size, so he doesn't work in a larger format for some of his work. Right. I think. Which is interesting. I I heard recently that he was doing very loose um, layouts on digitally, and then printing it out in blue line, and then he goes, as you say, straight to ink from there. Ah, oh, right, that makes uh, sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. I really do like his art. Is it? Is it? Oh, it's talk a little bit about I mean, anything or? Well, just to say, I mean, you know, these characters walking down gritty, you know, mean streets. Um, uh, there's an awful lot of smoking goes on in these comics, isn't there? <laughs> yeah. Did you mention um, that? That was something about use, use of hands or something, I think you said to me. I think it? Sean said that. You know, he, he has character smoking because it gives him something to do with their hands. So there's a lot, you know, these are hard-nosed people in uh, bars and dives or robbing gas stations. And there's, um, But the artwork, I mean, it's just, it's just glorious and immaculate. And he just gets yeah. better and better and better. He does, um, yeah. 
And like you say, they can turn their hand to anything, it seems, within their own genre of Brubaker and Phillips comics. Um, yeah. So they can do westerns, they can do horrors, they can do noirs, they can do sci-fi. Uh, you know, it's great. Yeah, really good. Uh, what I like is the they've clearly got a shorthand. They clearly trust each other to do stuff. And um, what Brubaker, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing he writes this into the script. I saw, I saw um, uh, Phillips hold up a script at one point to the camera, and it was it, uh, it appeared to be broken down into panels. Um, he, right. They do a lot of reaction shots, so they do a lot of looking at things without saying stuff. Um, which I find really interesting is the um, the sort of moments when you know Teague might be having a sideways look at his kid, or you know he knows it's about to kick off in the bathroom, or you know it's that sort of thing. He's trying to pull his gun, or there's there's not they don't overwrite it, um, and there's a lot of narration used. I think and they kind of um, they break that up in an interesting way. It's something we've been talking a bit about and sort of sending panels backwards and forwards, haven't we? So we get a lot of panel breakdowns that are blow by blow moment by moment um sequentials but then almost in every issue of the the recent criminal you get a full page don't you you get a full street scene almost no yes you meant you sent me a couple of examples of their street scenes usually when you get one of the narrating characters or the central character sort of walking towards the camera while everybody yeah. else seems to be moving around them and uh walking away and you get a great street switch um you know sort of feel to it um, and for some reason, I mean, this will this would appeal to both Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips. It reminds me of those black and white Hollywood movies like The Sweet Smell of Success, the Burt yes. Lancaster and Tony Curtis movie, yeah. New York City, Bright Lights, Dark Streets, The Apartment, um, maybe something like that. Yeah. The Apartment, that yeah. sort of stuff. Those those black and white uh, Billy Wilder Hollywood films. Yeah. yeah, those sort of things. You get those, but those street scenes they like to do. And I like what you say about their reaction shots. You get these faces of characters looking at stuff without much narration or dialogue, and you realise that they're figuring something out, that, you know, there's a clue in the yeah. scene. They're looking at something, and it's it's telling you something. Um, and I love the... I mean, occasionally, un- sorry, occasionally they do that, but they do it while they're looking at themselves in the mirror. It might be when they're, like, yeah. putting a plaster on their face, because they always, always seem to have plasters across their faces somewhere, don't they, from something, you know? Well, it's a you know it's a it's a brutal world, yeah. and there's lots of. <laughs> yeah. I do I do like that about it. Encounters. I mean, having been in a few drunken fights in the past, you do you know there is you feel this, you feel the punch at the time, but you feel it more in the morning, and you get a real sense of that in a lot of this. You know, I mean, Teague yeah. isn't backward in getting a kick in quite a lot in it, is he? You know, and throughout the throughout uh, well, the comics, uh, you know, in the in the previous. Uh, special they did, which was a sort of riff on Savage Sword of Conan. Ah, uh, the one where he's they, in prison in that one, isn't he? I think. Yeah, um, yeah, he's in prison and he gets. <laughs> there's a fair few punch ups in that one, um, and it's brutal and nasty and you know mean stuff. Um, yeah. But yeah, they do get a kick in. There's a, there's very much the uh, the plaster on the face. There's because uh, Teague is on one of the covers of one of the criminal collections with his sort of his nose splattered over his face and a bit of tape over it. It's sort of very Chinatown, I guess. Yeah, that's true actually. Yeah, good that's a good yeah. point. Yeah, it really is, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. Just that horrible bloke you wouldn't sit next to at a bar looking back at himself in the you know, all smoking. He just looks smoking. like trouble, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah, he does, yeah. Now, um, in this issue we've got here, it is coloured by Elizabeth Brightweiser, who, well, they were kind of a, three, a three-way a three team, weren't they? Um, uh, Brubaker, Phillips and Brightweiser, Elizabeth, um, for a lot of the books. Um, and then she left, we were chatting about this, she left to go and do something else, which I'm guessing was Sarah at TKO with Garthings. 
That's the Garth Ennis one, isn't yeah. it? It's about is that the Russian sniper. female sniper? Yeah, yeah, really. I've heard you talk. I've read a few issues of that. Yeah, really good. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I think yes, I think there was a conflict of um, scheduling. Yeah, because they'd started out. I think they had David Stewart or Dave Stewart to begin with, and oh, they had right, Ralph okay. Staples for a while. Right, and then Elizabeth Brightweiser was coloring all their comics, and then I think she had a clash of. Uh, scheduling and then so Sean Phillips's son Jacob Phillips yes has taken over yeah on the more recent ones yeah yeah and um two different approaches to me I don't know how you feel about it there's they're differently done yes um I mean it's interesting listening to Brubaker talking about it because yes. he said about colorists learning that they don't have to stick within the line yeah and brubaker's notes about what sort of color palette he's he's after for various scenes um there is a quite a difference i think if you look at brightweiser's colors and then jacob phillips colors for the more recent criminal run and for the new reckless series yes, especially yeah. yeah yeah i mean brubaker's very complimentary about um jacob isn't he he says look, why he didn't get a newcomer you know nomination at the eisners and stuff like yeah. that and i think so as well i know he's also an artist he's had his um, is it Texas Blood? I think is the series. He's Texas got. Blood is this is his own series. I think, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm. Um, I met them. At, I'm, I'm well. I met, met Sean a few times. I met him um, in that my famous LA convention that I went to that I was the only punter at. Um, and now, ever since that's happened, every time I see Jacob, I say to him, "I haven't seen you since LA." And he said to me, "I think it's, I think I think the time limit's running out on that one, Tony." I said, "Yeah, fair enough." Um, but uh, yeah, both great, man. How good is that? Yeah, really good that they're working together. Yeah. And and it goes from um, and Elizabeth Brightweiser is kind of I've been going backwards and forwards to what I prefer, and I don't think I prefer either of them now. I think I like them both for different reasons because Elizabeth Brightweiser is, especially in this one, it's very um, it's not clinical, but you it is well done but perhaps a little bit more traditional um right and the um jacob kind of you're right he goes over the lines doesn't he 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 uses um color splashes almost there's a there's a broader stroke on it somehow to me you know yes and i guess you know because the criminal series is set somewhere in the middle of America. It's got a sort of Chicago, Detroit-y, I don't know, feel to it. But yeah. the new series, Reckless, moves it to Los Angeles. Yeah. And so the colour palette becomes, I think, sunnier and brighter, even though the story itself is even more dark and um, bloody. Yeah. But, you know, I think yeah. possibly the change of locale has affected the colouring as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. Is there any other little moments in that in that comic in particular in um, Deadly Hands of Criminal you wanted to mention, dude? Or well, there's a couple of things. One is yeah. um, one is the hunt because he's got this single issue of a comic, and he's yeah. trying to find <laughs> more issues of the same comic. And it reminded me, and I know you and I, and you know many of your listeners will have done this: the, the bike rides around the neighbourhood, yeah. trying to find a news agent that might have another issue. Yeah. Um, so that's great fun. There's a bit where he meets the guy in the bookshop, and I know you sent me this panel. Or I think I know. I think you posted it on Twitter, didn't you? Oh, about not reading yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah. The guy says, you know, oh, I might have one, but if depends on the condition, it might be five dollars, it might be ten dollars. And he says, you know, he says, I don't want to collect it. I want to read it. Yeah, there's a little stare back at the uh, a number of yeah. people reading this comic at that point, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. Because this isn't a cheap book to get either, is it? Um, no, buy a copy. No, twenty quid. 
Yeah. Although I did notice um, your one of your favourite comic shops, Strange Apparitions, their Facebook pictures, they seem to have both the specials on their shelves, I think. Oh, right, yeah. yeah. Okay. They might not have one at the so, moment, I'll tell you that now. Yeah, they might not. Yeah. It might have gone by now. Yeah. But yeah, no, I just like it. And I liked... I like the comic within the comic, and I'm looking for more examples of comics within comics. If anybody knows any, they could send them to me. The Satan's I mean, Library obviously... is a good example of that. Um, oh, right. Yeah, um, by Adam. Um, I'll get a copy sent to you. But yeah, he does. He actually, it's about a trip to a comic shop, and Adam um, inserts in a slightly smaller format within the comic other two other comics. Right. Um, which is quite clever and, and so Satan's Library is the name of this comic shop and it comes from Adam's tour of America when he went to these sort of slightly seedy, divey kind of comic shops um, you know on the look for sort of underground comics and it comes from that and that's that's quite a good example of that actually yeah yeah. that's the sort of stuff I'm looking for I mean obviously Tales of the Black Freighter is the uh, of um, course the classic the er text for a comic within a comic that tells you the story um, within the story. But yeah, so if anybody knows any other good examples, let me know because I'm, I'm fascinated by that subject. Oh, interesting. Oh, okay. Um, I'm suspecting that might be something coming up for you in your, your course, is it? Or uh, it's Yes, you, you've, you've spotted it. Yeah, it's <laughs> something I'm interested in for my, for my comic studies later on. Oh, yeah. Good idea. Yeah, yeah. Everything's gone meta these days. There's got to be loads yeah, of things going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I like it. I like... Um, Little nods as well. When he goes in, is it Walter, the name who owns the geezer owns the shop, isn't it? It is, yeah. Yeah, they go in there and there's, is is it, no, maybe it's not in there. There's another point where he's in a shop and there's a spinner rack and you can see copies of the invaders just in outline and a, a master of kung fu. Oh, see, when he goes to find master Lana, of kung fu. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, he goes into the grocery store, there's a spinner rack and you can see master of kung fu, the invaders, uh, Captain America and the Falcon. Yeah. That's it, yeah, yeah. Um, that reminded me some of these sequences because uh, maybe it's it's the easy shorthand these days, but because it's got a kid acting as part of a large adult story that's quite violent, I, it took me. I, I felt a little bit of Stephen King somewhere in the writing of this, a little bit. Oh yeah. right, okay, yes, yeah, yeah that makes sense. Um, yeah, like uh, the Salem's Lot, it's the kid and the priest, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah a little bit of that. And the kid is yeah. the adult in a way, isn't it? Yeah. The kid, um, the way Brubaker writes it is the kid is the sensible one, and Teague, his dad, is this like out of control teenager who's like, sort of putting up with in a way who murders people, obviously, as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm looking at another panel where Tracy Lawler sort of looks out of the panel at us and says, Dad, don't hurt her. Oh, yes. And Teague Lawler says, Jesus Christ, what do you think I am? But actually, we know what <laughs> yeah. Teague Lawless is. Yes, yeah, the kid's the quite later. right. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's um, it's a little bit of a um, a breath of fresh air or a bit of a pause between some of the the criminal stuff, isn't it? It's um, maybe I suppose it is the tenth anniversary special and it's done in a different format. But it's a little bit of a oh, we're going to take a little break, a tiny little break um, amongst it, and then it, by the end of it, we're back in the shit again with Teague, aren't we? You know. Yeah. yeah, we're going to take a road trip. Uh, Tracy's going to find a comic. He's going to almost find a friend, which he's not allowed to have friends. Um, yeah, and That's the we're going to bit, say yeah. a little bit about yeah, and we're going to say a little bit about comics and the hunt for comics. And then, of course, it's all going to go pear shaped because Teague Lordus is involved. Um, but also, I suppose it takes us back outside the comic too. Deadly Hands of Kung Fu. Yes, I was going to, in the last few pages, we're uh, we're about to uh, to walk across to that, aren't we? Because there's rapping with Ray in the last few pages yes. of this. Is somebody looks like he's um, a hippie from the you know the Marvel bullpen? You know, there's a little bit of the Steve Gerber about him there, isn't there? Yeah, fabulous Freak Brothers. And um, it, there's a basically a text piece talking about um, um, 
talking about made-up movies. And I, I, I used, I nicked a bit of this recently. I, to be fair, I didn't because I'd forgotten about this. But I, I wrote a fake movie review for someone's comic recently, as if, right. as if their comic had become a movie, had been cast badly, and the fans were all mad about it. You know, it's not as good as the comics. You know, they don't stick to the comic story and this sort of thing. I think I cast one of the characters, Holly Agan from Geordie Shore, which I was pleased with. But the uh, <laughs> this so this talks it's it's um it's not so much a text piece. I know anyone signed up to Brew Baker's uh, mailer knows he writes quite lengthy stuff, especially in the back of Criminal um, each issue, which you don't get in the trade. You only get in the issues, I think, don't you? Yes, I think so. Yeah. But this they do a riff on um, uh, Blind Fury as well as a Fang movie um, in conjunction with the Shaw Brothers. Now around this time, the Shaw Brothers and Golden Harvest were collaborating with other movie studios. I think they did some with with Hammer. There's Seven Golden Vampires and uh, Call Me Shatter and stuff. Um, and they use um, actual photographs of real movies as part of it. So they use um, the Bruce Lee picture, which is I think from Fist of Fury. I think. Right. And then they use Bruce Lai from um, the classic Bruce Boitation movie, which I'm, we'll get onto in a second, but called um, Exit the Dragon, Enter the Tiger, which is <laughs> another classic exploitation, Bruce Boitation movie that uses um, f- footage of Bruce Lee's funeral at the start of the movie. <laughs> yeah, another classic. Yeah. Did you enjoy I this like bit? This. Oh, I love this, because, you know, if we talk about Deadly Hands of Kung Fu from the 70s, they were black and white magazines. Um, so obviously they were saving money on the colouring, but they also saved money by putting a lot of editorial and sort of articles and film reviews in yeah. there, didn't they? Yeah. Which I'm guessing for an editor is always probably cheaper than getting the artwork. And so they would have all these articles about Kung Fu movies that were either out or were coming up. And then, of course, you introduced me to an idea which I guess I knew about the idea, but I didn't know it had a name, the Bruce exploitation movies. <laughs> yeah. So basically, Bruce died, when Bruce Lee died, everyone literally rushed to make movies and include his name somewhere on it. And there's uh, like there's there's whole podcasts devoted to this. There were hundreds of them made across um, Hong Kong. There were some made in New Guinea, some made in Thailand. You know, it was just it was just. I think they made Fist of Fist of Fury four. I think at one point was made. Um, they just kept making them. Um, and this is what's sort of kind of aped in the back of here as well, which they talk about um, in the back of this, which is um, really fun stuff. I think. Yeah. And we've watched a few of those recently. Um, you made me watch Clones of Bruce Lee, <laughs> where they literally clone Bruce Lee, and then they cast everybody who was called Bruce is in that film, it seems. Yeah, I think, I think. it's Bruce Lai, I was... um, Dragon Lee, and, Dragon Lee. and uh, um, Bruce Leong, who I think only appeared in one. And then they have... Was he... Was... Who's Bruce Ty? Oh, Bruce Ty's in it as well, isn't he? There's actually four right. in that one, aren't there? Because one isn't, weirdly, an actual clone, is he? He's one is sort of turns up later but they yeah. and then they get bolo along and they have to sort of fight bolo and i think you said said did they did they use up all the budget on just getting bolo in to do that fight they do a trailing sequence with um the sort of well-known martial arts movie actor bolo young and he's in it for about i don't know he's not in it for more than about 10 or 15 minutes in this training sequence yeah. and it just felt like you know <laughs> we've got we've only got him for a day what can we do because um, <laughs> yeah. he was making a lot of movies in this period wasn't he, he was non-stop yeah literally and I, i've i've read stuff or i didn't actually i think it was that podcast you recommended to me the clones cast yeah where they were saying that some of these actors were shooting scenes and they didn't know what movie it was going to yeah 
in. And sometimes they, they were just in multiple like, you know, movies. They turn up one day. Yes. Exactly. They were doing fight sequences, and that will be in, oh, that'll be in two or three movies, that sequence. <laughs> yeah. And they were just turning up. But yeah, everybody called Bruce is in that movie. I was looking for Bruce Forsyth to turn up or Bruce Campbell. Yeah. yeah. And the guy, the scientist at the start of it, the the white guy with the sort of goatee beard, he's um he's from the big boss, I think. Right. They got him in just for a like a tiny bit, like they got Bolo in. They got him in for a tiny bit of credibility. Um, to you know, show that this is actually a Bruce Lee movie. You know. But of course right. they could put Bruce Lee on the cover of this one because they used his funeral. You know. Yes. Exactly, and he used some footage of his funeral. Uh, so, yeah, you get this article in the back of the magazine about some forthcoming movies, and it does the Bruce Bloitation thing. Yeah. And the new martial arts master, Bruce Lai. Is that Bruce Lai? Bruce Lai, I think, L-I, yeah, that one. Yeah. 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 yeah it's Bruce Lai as well, which is L-E, Bruce L-E-I, I think, is another one. But, yeah, no, it's good stuff. The, um, I mean, it's shameless, you know, money. I mean, when they, when they steal, it was, wasn't it? They, they, it starts off with them stealing Bruce Lee's body. You know, from yes. it, so it's, it's, it's and there's a lot of there's a lot of it going on there. But of course, the prime example of it all is um, Game of Death, which is a Bruce Boitation movie that Bruce Lee actually turns up in. Um, yeah, and there's um, I think is that Bruce Lee as well. I think in that one, and he actually wears. But be, see, because now we've got Blu-ray and DVD, you can see that you can see the edges. You know, you can see the joins. You know, it's like watching an old Doctor Who. You can see the the cardboard sets, but you never saw them when you were at the cinema. But in that one, the, the he actually wears a Bruce Lee cardboard mask in one of the scenes. <laughs> yeah. Oh dear. Yeah. Um, which yeah, we you made. I, I watched a couple of bad movies. I watched a couple of fun movies. Um, obviously, we watched Enter the Dragon, which you know is brilliant, um, yeah, superlative. Um, and when you see something like Clones of Bruce Lee, you realise, oh yeah, <laughs> the real <laughs> yeah. thing is very good. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And what was the original one? The the nineteen seventy two one, King Boxer. Well, it's got two names. It's Five Fingers of uh, Five Fingers of Steel, I think, in America, but it's King Boxer in the new release. Yeah, and that's right. That's the one that kind of sparked the Grindhouse Forty Second Street Kung Fu craze, allegedly. You know, yeah, yeah, that's pretty good. I mean, what we should say is that at this point in the early to mid nineteen seventies, everybody was, as the song says, uh, Kung Fu fighting. Yeah, um, we'd all gone chop socky mad. Hadn't we? <laughs> we had. I remember ordering martial arts weapons out of the back of martial arts magazines that got sent to the boarding house I was living in at school. You know. Um, yeah, I had a side handle baton. It's very cool, which I just right. constantly get hit myself on the head with. Yeah, but from that, we, I um, I encouraged you to have a read of the actual Deadly Hands of Kung Fu, which this is kind of homaging. Um, and uh, what did you think of that, man? Oh, so there's some great stuff. I mean, the the editorial, the filler material is obviously of less interest these days. But the the artwork yeah. um, on some of those stories, because you've got some Shang Chi, you've got Shang Chi, you've got some iron fist you got the what's it sons, sons of the, the tiger yeah sons of the tiger the white tiger um and sword you've got quest. artwork yeah. sword quest now is sword quest was that a repurposed manga i'm not certain actually because i know there was it some, looks like there was it, some it? samurai stuff going on with val Mayerick elsewhere i don't right. know to be fair yeah and you got daughters of the dragon as well because we're all about the uh daughters the chick, of the, the dragon back then weren't we? you know yeah. yeah, yeah, and it's black and white sort of sort of pencil artwork. Um, you've just done an episode not long ago about George Perez on Avengers. Yeah. Of course, here he is, sort of uh, learning his craft in the pages of Deadly Hands of Kung Fu. Yeah. Uh, Rudy Nebras does one amazing, yeah, amazing stuff. Yeah, just so fluid, then, isn't it? Early yeah. on, oh, it's just lovely, isn't it? I mean, in terms of 
because I know on the ACP you did a, a talk about depicting action and, and fights. Yeah. And there's some great stuff in this penciled, um, this black and white artwork. And then you've got some Neil Adams covers on the early issues, yeah. which are just glorious. Yeah, there's um, yes. the Neil Adams Bruce Lee one, which is the Bruce Lee special. Um, I, I bought it as a print off him, and it's lovely, absolutely lovely. Yeah, he does some great right. covers, isn't he? Um, the, there's a lot of, also, there's a lot of, like, how-to-do martial arts stuff, isn't there? Yes. Which I think was written by and people like Don McGregor. And people like that. It was. Yeah. McGregor, McGregor's writing this stuff. Um, yeah, and you got these articles about, you know, interviews with Chuck Norris. And, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, all these various people turn up in the, in the, in the filler material. Because I had, I did have an issue of Deadly Hands of Kung Fu at some point in the 70s. And I had the Billy Jack issue. Oh, right, which, which I was obsessed again, with as well, yeah. Right. Yeah. I was well. I was obsessed with it as well because I mean, it's got the glorious Neil Adams cover. Yeah, and then inside you've got these articles about Billy Jack, and there was a trio of movies about Billy Jack yep. in the seventies. Billy Jack and... goes to Washington. I think was one of them. And of course, you know, dear listener, Tony and I come from a period of time when you couldn't see movies. Yeah. You know, in order to watch Billy Jack last weekend, I walked into my sitting room, spoke to a digital assistant, and two pounds fifty. And two minutes later, I was watching this quite <laughs> frankly terrible film. It is. It is um, it's good for about a minute, isn't it? There's a fight in it that's okay. This is the one that seems to appear all over YouTube. Um, I've adopted that double denim look, though. I don't know about you. I'm quite a fan double of it. denim and take your boots and socks off for a fight. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, uh, all those people who were standing around while he let him, they let him take off his shoes and socks. I, I think that's the time to hit him, guys. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yes, I was obsessed with that issue because, and there was a lot of mystical stuff going on wasn't there yeah. about you know native Americans the, uh, the and, mystical yeah. powers and you know as a as a rather callow teenager i was take, completely taken in by all that stuff um <laughs> and as you say there was all the weird adverts for different schools or you could send away for guidebooks that would teach you how to have the iron fist yeah plus of course the, the option of actually purchasing some of these weapons um <laughs> I mean, talking about Enter the Dragon, of course, I realised when I watched it this time that the previous time I'd watched Enter the Dragon, I must have seen it without the nunchuck sequence. Oh, because it was banned for because, a while, of course, wasn't it? Yeah, 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 you know, the UK banned any reference to the nunchucks um, in movies. Even in the and Turtles in, cartoon and all this sort of thing. In the Turtles yeah. cartoon, <laughs> that's right. Um, so, yeah, all that stuff was taken out. Uh, but yeah, we went off on a weird Bruce exploitation and chop socky we kung did. fu. And we were rich. Tangent, we're the richer people fun. for it. Yeah, yeah. I have yes. to say, my my obsessions with Billy Jack was I thought he looked great in Double Denim, and that that Neil Adams cover is just it, just brilliant. And I spent years. I think I told you I bought the ended up buying the Blu-ray box set, and then discovering my Blu-ray won't play, won't play American Blu-ray. So it sat there for about a year. And then right. I found it on YouTube just a couple of days ago, and I watched it, and it's fucking terrible. There's bits of it, <laughs> there's bits of it that are okay, where he sort of fights these sort of redneck cowboy guys who keep turning up. Seems to be the same guys constantly sort of turning up to fight him. It is. Um, but then he lives in this town, which is he lives in this school. It's called a school, but it's just it where a load of hippies do. And there's this. I, I fast forwarded through. I think you sat through it, or you said you fell asleep during it. And it's about yeah. a um, it's this sort of interpretive 
it's 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 the seventies version of um, Jedi interpretive dance at comic conventions. You know, they do this sort of yes. weird play in the middle of it, and you're like, what the fuck is this? They yeah. try to, well, they actually do improvise a piece of theatre um, <laughs> at this school, and they do it a couple of times during this movie. And I was fast forwarding through it and thinking, God, this is going on and on and yeah, on. Yeah, goes on for ages. On. You know, let's have a get to the bit where he takes his shoes and socks off and has a fight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because the, yeah, the lady who's the headmaster, the lady who's the headmaster, is his wife in real life. Yes, that's right, Tom Lachlan's wife. Yeah. Uh, and it was a real passion project for the pair of them to do this movie yeah, <laughs> yeah. about um, Billy Jack is a Vietnam veteran, half uh, Native American, and he's an ep- expert in is it Korean karate? Is it Hap- Hapkido, Hap- Hapkido is it or something? It's called Hapkido. Yeah, yeah. He's he's a bloke who like goes on about don't make me angry all the time. He goes, you know, yes, I've got a real exactly. rage inside of me. But he's never yeah. angry, because I don't know whether his acting quite reaches that far. <laughs> <laughs> he's just always sort of super calm, which I kind of liked about him. But, and a very cool hat. And he's meant to be yes. part Indigenous people, isn't he? He's meant to be part sort of he native, is, but yeah. there's no, there's zero. I don't think he is. I think that's made up, which I find yeah. slightly dodgy. But, you know, yeah, yeah there you go. Yeah, yeah, it's good stuff. It is a bit of cultural appropriation now, looking at it. I mean, it's not a great film. Yeah. Go back. I mean, go back and watch Enter the Dragon or find find Bolo Young films. Um, yeah. King Boxer was great. King Boxer, King Boxer was good. Was it's great fun. And that sort of slightly earlier Shaw Brothers studio, you know, it was all on the same set, wasn't it? You know, in that sort yeah. of the village. Um, but um, it's also with that bit of added gore. And I think you said to me, you, you just that's where... Um, I think he's quite open about it. That's where Tarantino got that noise effect. You know, when they, you close on people's eyes in Tarantino movies, you get that sort of music. When you uh, in Kill Bill, when they have the siren effect, that's it. Um, yeah. Which probably dates back to Ironside talking about crime uh, fiction. But it, it, if you see King Boxer, they use it in King Boxer, and that's where I think Tarantino took it from—the siren um, when they close up in on people. Yeah, I get you. Yeah. Are you um yeah. are you a fan in general terms of martial arts? You know, comics or are there many that you've read or? I, well, I mean, I was, you know, a bit like Tracy Lawless in this comic. I was a huge fan of the few that I could get hold of in the 70s. Yeah. Um, and, you know, uh, you know you're going to say this is just like in the comic because I just had that Billy Jack episode, um, issue. Yeah. And I read it and read it and read it. Um, and Master of Kung Fu, uh, you know, uh, that's great stuff. Iron Fist. I was always slightly more Iron Fist okay. than Shang-Chi. Yeah. Yeah, some great myself, as well. but um, yeah. yeah, I know you're. You know, Shang Chi is one of your passions, yeah. Tony. Yeah. Um, In fact, this is I made uh, an, an exception on this one because I refuse to talk about it um, <laughs> because I don't want to hear anyone slag off Shang Chi because I'm sort of slightly obsessed. But uh, with this, we, and with you, I made an exception that we could do a bit of Shang Chi. But yeah, yeah, he, is, he really is. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's great stuff. And of course, we did talk about our fears about the movie that's coming out. Apparently, they've made a movie. Trailer. I don't. I've I've seen a couple of adverts, but I don't recognise anyone in it as looking like or sounding like or being Shang Chi. So I'm hoping right. I, I'm hoping that the movie is for we see an advert for it eventually. But the current thing about a lady driving a bus and making smart Alec comments, I don't really know what that one was. To be fair, but right. uh, yeah. If Jane McDonald does a cover version of Carl Douglas's "Everybody Was Kung Fu Fighting" Perfect. for the theme song, Perfection. then I'll go. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. If she plays Lee Ko Wu, then we're we're all fine. Right. I think that might be cultural. Jane, if you're listening, do do the cover version. <laughs> <laughs> uh, of course, some other ones I thought worthy mentions. Richard Dragon, 
um, is a great series. There's been a, a, few, a few versions of that. Bronze Tiger, um, obviously The Question is a martial arts background. Uh, Yang from Charlton Comics, which is just kind of crazy. Uh, Judo Master. Um, Hands of the Dragon, which is an Atlas comic. Wu Tei, his name was, and it? it came out once. And like you, that was another comic that I found issue one of and was like desperately every time I went anywhere that there might be comics. So have you got Hands of the Dragon? No, no, no Atlas Comics only <laughs> did one issue of it. Um, we've got Mantis, Karnak, Psylocke. Um, there's a few out there. Um, Jade Man comics are quite something if you can find them. Um, and you've got Crying Freeman, another favourite of mine. But uh, yeah, yeah, there's some good stuff out there. Yeah, definitely. Um, good. That was that was quite the subject. You always get you always get. Oh, and the other one I meant to mention is Archer and Armstrong, which oh, is right. um, yes, of course, obviously yeah. um, Archer is a martial arts character, and that is going to be the challenge for the next one we get together and talk about. Is we're going to talk about a comic that contains them. So there's a little uh, little crossover. Oh, there we are. There. It's a link forward to our next episode. Good stuff, yeah. man. So thanks for that, dude. Good suggestion. Got me reading loads of comics this week, as always. So that's good. Um, over to. I'll just say yeah. before we move on, just say um, if you're looking for a standalone uh, Brubaker and Phillips pulp, which we've yes. mentioned, yeah. or if you want to jump on to their new series, which is all new characters and doesn't have any of the criminal backstory, their series of hardback graphic novels, Reckless, set in LA, which is the Rockford Files connection. Yeah. Um, there's two out, and there'll be a third one out later this year, and those are great. They're as really well. putting so, them out, aren't they, man? I, I've only just finished reading really the are. first volume, and I've just ordered yeah. the second. Um, yeah. Yeah, and, 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 and lovely hardbacks, and the covers are straight out of trash. 70s and 80s novels aren't they just beautiful crime exploitation type novels yeah yeah novels and film posters yeah, yeah yeah really good stuff yeah good chat man cool um over to you dude so you've had a you've had a busy couple of months podcasting you're not only um are you doing your own one but uh you're on the acp look at that i turned up <laughs> with the rest uh you and the rest of the three degrees on the acp um you're sheila ferguson of course Tony. yeah um, <laughs> um Yes, I did. I turned up on there. I was very. very How did you know that name? Oh my God, we're old, aren't we? And I knew it. That's terrible. (laughs) Uh, She's on my. uh, They're on my. um, You know, British disco divas playlist. One of my favourites. Yeah, yeah. The Nolans. Yeah. Anyway, um, yes, I was very honoured to be asked to be on the ACP. I tell you, it's slightly weird. Actually, I'll tell you what it was, because Vince did ask me why I started my podcast, and I don't think I gave a very good answer. I was thinking about it recently. And I think, you know, this will be the same for everybody who's listening to this and for you and for the rest of the three amigos. We probably have jobs where we can now mention that we read comics and collect comics, (laughs) but we can't talk about them with other people. No, that's right. We don't get to talk about them. And, and, And what I've discovered in the last couple of years is I just love talking about comics with people. Yeah. And I learned so much from my guests on the Mega City Book Club or your podcast here or the, the ACP. Um, Thank you. I mean, I'm slightly, I'm slightly embarrassed that I've somehow got this reputation as being somebody who knows a lot about comics. I don't really. Do I can it. do the research, as you and I know. Yeah, Tony. exactly. That's what um, we do. I think the thing is the nature of comics, though, is they're quite forgettable. Do you know what I mean? You read stuff and it yeah. doesn't stay there, you know. Some stuff doesn't stick. That's yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just, uh, I was on the ACP and we got to talk about comics. We talked about Brubaker's recent sort of statements. We talked about uh, Frank Miller showing up in the pages of the Rorschach comic, oh, yes. which I'm now reading. So I'm catching up with that. Yeah. 
um, uh, which actually I'm quite liking, actually. Yeah, I love and the art, man. I, mean, I, need, I read the first issue and thought, well, I'm going to save it to trade. But yeah, I really like that. I, and some of the covers are gorgeous as well. Yeah. Right. Well, the second issue, I think, not to give it away, spoilers, um, he's put bloody Steve Ditko in there. Yes, I've heard this. Yeah, I think I heard this on yes. 11 o'clock. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I, anyway, but anyway. Have we had enough of that? So have you had good. enough of that, dude? Do we, need, do we need that all the time? I don't know. I don't know. It's interesting because, yeah, I... I don't know, but yeah, anyway, okay. I mean, he's made him a sort of villain. Um, oh, right. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, he's obviously taken the Rorschach influences from Ditko's The Question and Mr. A yeah. that, you know, we all know about. Yeah, um, Alan Moore but, repeats yeah. a story, doesn't he, where he meets in that looking for Steve Ditko, doesn't he? He, repeat, he repeats an interaction he had with him, I think. Yes. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that story where Steve Ditko said, yeah, Rorschach's like... Um, like Mr. A, except Rorschach is insane, and you're thinking, mm, okay, because <laughs> <laughs> I think doesn't before yeah, he leaves, I'm not sure before he leaves, doesn't Steve Ditko get a bit of paper and color one side black and give it to him and say, yes. look, this is this is life, you know, this, this is either this right is or life. wrong, yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 interesting, yeah, it's yeah. either black that or it's Ayn white, Randism yeah. or whatever it is, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, we could go a whole thing about Ayn Rand and uh, objectivism or whatever it's called. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, anyway, so I'm having great fun talking about comics. I've been on the ACP. I've been on Never Iron Anything more times than, you know, is, is probably no. fair. But, you know, yeah. Yeah, good stuff. And the Mega City Book Club keeps coming out every two weeks. Yeah, I've been and... enjoying that, man. And the, the one that I really liked, well, I like them all. I, they, they, I, I listen to them all. But there's the, I didn't, I'd never read Darkies Mob. And I didn't realise right. the crossover with Bad Company, which is really interesting as a sort of double hitter, you know. So Darkie's Mob, I did an episode with Paul Trimble, who normally puts on the Enniskilling Comic Fest, okay. you know, yeah. back in the before times. And Darkie's Mob is a John Wagner and Mike Weston comic from Battle in the 1970s. It's very controversial because I suspect even for the time, it was probably a bit racist. Right. About okay. a very difficult difficult theater of war you know the burmese conflict in world war Two. yeah um but it's fascinating for an early john wagner long form storytelling and then of course they wagner and iscara sort of repurposed it for a science fiction strip um for a judge dread comic that was going to happen oh, in yeah. the 80s the never weekly one that was meant to happen or, yeah, yeah the judge dread fortnightly that was going to happen right. didn't yeah and then Steve McManus took the idea off the shelf, dusted it off, and gave it to Peter Milligan, Brett Ewins, and Jim McCarthy, and they did Bad Company. So as it happened, just more by fluke and coincidence, I did my episode about Darkies Mob, and then two weeks later, I did my episode about Bad Company. Uh, so it was right. a nice sort oh, okay. of sequel. Yeah, it was good, wasn't it? Yeah. I've, yeah. I've got fond memories of Bad Company. I absolutely loved that series. It, it, I think because it came out at the same time with that slew of um, Vietnam War you know, movies, you know, Full Metal Jacket and Platoon and all these sort of things. It, it really resonated, didn't it? Is that sort of hardship of? He was almost Charlie. Um, it was almost that character yeah. from Platoon, wasn't he? You know. Yeah, exactly. You get that Vietnam War feel to it. It's great. I mean, it's probably my favourite Brett Ewins. I think okay. he's bad company. Yeah, 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 yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And the other one was um, you got early access to the audio books as well, didn't you? Which I found interesting. Yeah. So they've put 2000 AD has done a 
five audiobooks of their um, sort of some of their most famous stories and with, <laughs> uh, <laughs> with I haven't listened to the Brink no, me neither. with yeah. Penguin Random House and so we listened to we did an episode about Judge Dredd America and then of course I did an episode with my daughter about Halo Jones um, and there's also there's the Horned God and there's another Dredd there's the Pit yeah. and then as you say there's Brink um, so yeah I've listened They're to interesting, you know, I've started listening to the Pit and I've listened to the Horned God and right. um, I've got certain feelings about the Horn God where I, at first, it irritated me um, because it was, uh, I didn't feel they had Ucko quite right. And I felt that some of the other actors could have gone with doing, going back to acting school. But I listened to it again before I did the, the podcast with Ian. And um, I, I've warmed to it. I, I think it does suit that narration technique you get with the Horn God, I think. You know. Right. What were your thoughts on it? Did and of course, like it or... again. Yeah, and of course, you've just done the episode about the Horn God, yeah. and um, Uncle Pat Mills himself has know, uh, now cited it. Yeah, and he says he's going to use it as a. He hasn't told me resource. What, he hasn't told me what we said. That's going to go in. There's going to be anything. <laughs> he's doing an article or, a, or another book or article about the creation of Slain. I think. Yeah, I think it's almost done. I think. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, so you're getting mentioned in dispatches. I know. We're quite excited. Yeah. Yeah, uh, me, uh, John Ottaway, who is a murderer, and Sarah Harris are beat are, are beta readers um, on that and in some of his books. So I'm hoping we get to see that one um, just in advance, but it'd be nice. Yeah, no, we're very. Ian was brilliant. Like Ian's, I, I, yeah. I, I, had you left the drink and draw by the time he showed his nemesis last night? That's not yes, I think so. Yeah, yeah, I had to. I had to bug out early. I'll get you. Yes. I'll get you. You yeah. had the drink and draw last night. Yeah, with um, exciting with the two thousand eighteen one. I draw for lawless. Yeah, yeah. Well, I can't say two thousand eighteen. It's for lawless. Yeah, yeah. Oh, true. Yes, you can't mention the same phrase. <laughs> uh, and of course, I should mention also Tony that um, Atomic Hercules Weapon of Mass Destruction has just. <laughs> oh yeah, thank you, mate. Yeah, it is. Kicks, thank you. Kickstarter. So that will be out soon, will it? Yep. Yeah, yeah. We we've got the test print is got sent off yesterday. So um right. yeah, so it's quite exciting. Um yeah, thanks for thanks for everything, man. I appreciate that. And I think you're on our tribute press uh, patron as well, aren't you? Well, I think. And I'm a tribute press patron, so every day in the morning I get a bit of George Mayhem uh, dropping <laughs> you, into my uh, I've got that right, isn't it? It is George it is. Mayhem. It is there. indeed, yeah. Dropping into my inbox every morning. Um and that's that's an interesting one as well. Plus we get to see Listeners, if you want to jump on board the Patreon for Tribute Press, it's what one pound fifty nine. One forty nine. Yeah, yeah. One forty nine a month, a bargain. One forty nine a month. Cheers, star. It's very you get a daily comic page, and then at the weekend you get some. You get Tony flicking through his dirty papers. So, <laughs> yeah, um... yeah. I've just about figured out how to do that now, so I can actually film something right. and upload it to the site. Yeah, but uh, we did a sort of strangers hall, um, the last strangers hall, which was cool because strangers dropped their last hall last night. Um, strangers do our distribution in the states for Herc, and um, they they also kind of cater to the more outre, um transgressive comics out there. And and about every couple of months they do a little drop of comics. And uh, the new one dropped out yesterday. Eddie Eddie did it, and um, it sold out within about six minutes. So it's like me oh. me four p and Falpy and a few other people are like, literally sitting there with an alarm ready to go off on our phone. You know, I lost out on some comics on the previous one because I got that thing where I don't know if you've ever had it through PayPal where they text you a number and you've got to put it in. 
And oh, I lost yeah, out because yeah. they just sold out during that time that it took me to get the text. <laughs> so, oh, no, the two-factor authentication. Yeah, <laughs> no. yeah. Um, so, they're, yeah, they're good guys. Yeah, thanks for that, man. Yeah, we've got, um, we're got we recording another podcast this week. So, um, yeah, so that's the next one. We do a little podcast for the for the listen, for the, um, the, the, the patrons, so that's good stuff. Um, what have you got planned in the future for your stuff, dude? Uh, so we've got some more Slain coming up. Oh, cool. um, we're recording that tomorrow about Slain, the King, which comes oh, before nice. the Horned God. Yeah. And then episodes coming up on the 13th floor, uh, Zenith 2. Um, what else we got coming up? Oh, yeah, Apocalypse War. We're going to revisit oh, right. the Apocalypse War. Have you never done um, Apocalypse so, yeah. War before? You haven't, haven't you? I have done the Apocalypse War. And it's one of my most popular episodes with a chap called Jim Moon from the Hypno, uh, Hypnogoria podcast. Oh, right. But I'm going to be revisiting the Essentials coloured version that they've done oh, right. with uh, Barry Nugent from Geek Syndicate. Oh, we know Barry. So, Barry's a good egg. Yeah, everybody. Barry's a good lad. Yeah. Everybody knows Barry. So yes, he's coming on to do to revisit the Apocalypse War in its redone uh, coloured version. Yeah, Barry's one of those blokes who me and him share a similar sense of humour, and we just send each other gifts when something stupid is happening on Twitter. You know, is that sort yeah. of? Uh, is, is it, yeah, he's a good egg. I like, I like I like Barry a lot. Good stuff, man. Um, and so, where can we find you? Where can we find your podcast? Uh, find me at megacitybookclub.com or on Twitter, MCBC Podcast uh, is what to look for. But if you just search for Megacity Book Club, I'll show up and uh, you can find episodes with Tony Esmond on them. Oh, God. Which, yeah. you know. and, a few, and some good yeah. people. But the, uh, and also, <laughs> um, very soon, um, we won't be able to get a hold of you much before noon because you'll be um, hungover and a student on a comics course. So Bloody I'm... student again, yeah. I'm going to be on a comic. <laughs> I'm going to be a university student again. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm I'm glad that I'm not the only person trolling you about that. So I'm looking forward to that. No, that's all right. Uh, the whole, every everybody's trolling me about it, uh, and people don't. You know, again, you and I, as you know, we talk about talking to non-comics people. Whenever I mention this to somebody, I'm doing comic studies, and they keep saying, "So, are you going to be making comics?" Yeah. So, no, I'm going to be studying them. Oh, I love the costumes. What? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's like, right. co- are you going to be doing cos? We had a cosplayer on the call last night, didn't we? I had to be polite, didn't I? Yes. Yeah. Yes, you were very good. You were very well behaved about cosplayers. <laughs> and you are very well behaved about cosplayers, despite your well known hatred. Um, yeah. Hatred. <laughs> <laughs> don't be cos don't be falling into that. I don't want to suddenly come and see you at the University of East Anglia and you're you it's, where's where, where's Eamon? Oh, he's a furry now. He's over there. Uh, yeah. Oh god. <laughs> now there's a there's a dark there's that's the dark heart of cosplay it is isn't it, it? Yeah, yeah yeah i've got a story yeah. for that but i'll tell you it later yeah yeah <laughs> good stuff man nice one and um, thanks tony we'll chat about that next book now but yeah thanks mate see you soon